Welcome to the Whitetail Obsession Podcast with Dave Richmond and co-host Chris Worthing, where we talk and teach everything deer and turkey hunting related. Follow along as we help teach you tips and techniques about hunting, food plots, and habitat management strategies that everyone can use. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Uh, podcast 55. Welcome back. And just to give you, let you guys know that uh, Chris is dying over there. I'm Chris, half dead. What is going on with you? Half dead, man. Yeah, I, I don't tell. know. I think, I, I think, I, I didn't take the home test, but I think I had COVID. Mm, you sound like crap. I felt like crap for a long time. Saturday, Saturday is a week, right? Uh, no, this has started last Wednesday. Okay. So today is a week or Today's, yesterday was a week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cause today we're recording yeah. on a Thursday. Yeah. 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 I'm eight days in and I'm drowning. Yeah. You sound like poop. Yeah. So yeah, everybody in the comments, uh, make fun of Chris's voice here. <laughs> um, anyway, a uh, couple little announcements. Um, uh, today's podcast where uh, we're going to talk about clover frost eating from all from A to A to Z. But the first thing I want to uh, bring up is um, the Great American Outdoor Show uh, mm-hmm. is coming up. The opening day is February 3rd. Yes. Um, myself and Chris will both be there walking the – we're not in a booth or nothing, but we're walking the show as we do. And if anybody's going, uh, get a hold of us and uh, we'll meet up with you, talk hunting, food plots, and maybe help you out a little bit because uh, I like to – you know, keep in contact with the uh, subscribers as Chris does as well. So yeah. meet up, we'll shake your hand and do a little then, talking. Then use sanitizer. Then use sanitizer. <laughs> Actually, I don't do it on purpose. Well, I do. But if anybody, if anybody comes and meets us or whatever, I am not shaking your hand, but I will give you a good old fist bump. So if I, if you go to reach out for your hand and I just close and give you a little bump, don't <laughs> yeah. take offense to it. Right. But that show, I've been in the booth there, and that show is cruddy. 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 They're just getting over the uh, farm show this week. Right. That just ended there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if anybody hasn't been, it's in in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Really, really big show. Um, I would say it's probably a little bit different than what you're used to, but they got a lot of stuff there. It's, It's cool to walk around and catch up with people and... It is some, cool. It is yeah. cool to see all the stuff. You'll you'll see new products, you know, products you want to look at and you can actually pick up and hold and handle. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm afraid though that there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to be there this year. Mm-hmm. I talked to my buddy that owns a couple of companies and he is not going this year. Yeah. He has some extenuating situations at home with family life that he is not going to and he usually has two booths. Mhm. So there's two booths right there that'll be empty. Well, I looked at the exhibitor list. I think it, me and you, I looked at it like two weeks ago and a, a lot of booths were empty, um, yeah. which we've talked about in the past. It's kind of a, it's a, a dying, dying trend. Yeah. Plus the booths and stuff are so expensive. Yeah. It's um, cost a lot of money for those people to show up for 11 days, hotels and food. Yeah. And, yeah it's a lot of money. And then really, how much do they really sell? Mm. People, I, I probably, did, it, people probably go home and order online you know yeah it's all it's product dependent i'm sure some people make a lot of money otherwise they probably wouldn't go really but um 
I don't know. It, it's a cool show. They got ammo and and stuff. But uh, yeah, like I said, if you guys are if you guys are going um, or haven't been, make a trip um, and uh, get a hold of us, and we'll we'll meet up with you and yeah. help you out a little bit or something. We'll fist bump you. Yep, give you a fist bump. Um, moving into podcast fifty five. Um, Clover it is. Clover it is. So the reason we're doing it today is uh, I've noticed in analytics that uh, all my YouTube Clover videos are kind of going up. I, and this past week, I actually got a couple comments on the Clover videos. So people are thinking about it. Yeah. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it on Facebook. I'm sure I you got, are, too. I got a couple guys that are uh, messaging me about their uh, soil samples already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was helping some guys out yesterday with some soil samples. Mm hmm. Um, some new guys and that's what I like. I like, I like when they're fresh and new, you know, uh, trying to teach them how to read that soil sample. Cause it's not really easy at first. Yeah. Uh, there's some things you need to know and get, get to the new people first before they get, uh, yeah. Before they have bad trends start. Yeah. Before they get, I mean, and that's what we're after. We're trying to educate with our channels. Uh, Cause I've been doing food plots for a long time, not successfully. When I first started out, I had epic failures, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, every little bit, every year you learn something new. Yeah. And I, and I started with Clover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Each year you learn something new and you, you know, you tweak one thing, tweak another, you try something different experiment. N not that any, any way of that is wrong. It's just, you try different little tweaks and try to just do something different each year right so let's yeah. let's start out by saying by answering uh what is frost eating and then we'll we'll just continue uh to go down the path and i'll give my description of frost eating and chris will give his you know description because he likes to use different special words and um <laughs> he'll uh, he'll say that in a minute here yes, but so. ba basically <laughs> and we're going to talk about the right way to do it, the wrong way to do it, mistakes to avoid and all this. So please pay attention, guys. There's a lot of information in here. Um, so frost seeding, you are taking clover. Uh, it could be chicory. It could be clover. It could be alfalfa. And usually they're in a blend. Uh, we like using domain, hot chick and uh, comeback kid. They're really great blends. But frost seeding is basically means that you are taking this seed and throwing it broadcasting it on top of the soil because that soil is frozen and the soil freezes it expands and contracts with sun so early mornings that soil is going to be frozen midday when the sun's out the soil melts and the ground expands and contracts and it's basically mother nature's way of helping that seed get into the soil a little bit to germinate now, with that said, there's a right way and wrong way to do that, and we'll get into that. So, Chris, what can you add to what is frost eating? The word heave. Heave. Because you love it. I do. <laughs> so, what he's talking about is when he puts that seed out there, when the ground freezes, it heaves up into the air. And if, if you've ever seen frozen soil and it's all crystallized and jagged looking mm -hmm. and you, you, you get a seed deposited there and then the sun comes out and it warms that soil and those crystals 
they start to melt and it puts moisture in the ground and adds moisture to that seed coating mm -hmm. and the in the ground just that heaving action that seed follows any little void that's in the dirt mm -hmm. and that that will fall in that crevice and when the heat of the day that soil will drop and level out and the ground actually swallows that seed down into the dirt mm -hmm. and that essentially plants it for you mm -hmm. mother nature's way how was that that was good man that was I descriptive think I think being sick makes you more descriptive. <laughs> um, so, so let's add to that real quick by saying when the right way, the right time to do that is, and then like, like a wrong case scenario. So yeah, you frost eating, you have to have that freeze thaw effect. So you don't right. want to do it depending on what state you're in. You don't want to do it at a time of year when the ground is completely frozen and it never thaws. Right. And you, you have that time period, you and, know. And that that's a buzzword right now. What are they calling it snow seeding or something? Right, yeah. You know, people are getting swallowed into this. It's not a good deal. Yep. Um so that ground has to freeze and then thaw. It has to freeze and heave, freeze and heave. Um and thaw for that seed to be worked into the soil. Now you don't want to do it again when the ground is completely frozen. You're not having that effect. So you need to wait until the time frame you know best, your state, that state you're in, you'll see it. When that ground is frozen in the morning and then your daytime highs get above freezing, sun comes out and it melts that ground. Yes. That's the time period you want to do it. You don't want to do it too early in the season because the ground's not going to thaw and then the seed's going to be sitting on top and that just allows for erosion. And allows for birds to peck your seeds away. Basically. Correct. Now, why don't you describe um, about you can't just frost seed into any situation. Like yeah. you have to have a prepared seed bed from the year before. So right. talk about that. I, I like to frost seed either into an existing clover spot already or... Mm -hmm. Or have a spot that I prepped in the fall um, that's been depleted of the plot or that I prepped, you know, by by a drag harrow or something, you know, roughed up the ground, uh, eliminated undergrowth of foliage or uh, here's a big one, leaves. All the leaves that fell in the fall, mm -hmm. that matting effect of the leaves because if the if the clover falls and it lands on top of the leaves or or in a thatch layer or whatever it's not going to get to the dirt and germinate mm -hmm. so one of the things i've done most recently in the past 3 years is i bought a leaf blower and i take that to my plots now and i blow all the leaves off in the fall so they're not there in the spring and a lot of the uh, undesirable things will wilt away during the winter time, and you'll be left with only good green growing things, and you'll see there will be a lot of dirt exposed. So that is a great way to to prep 
ground for, you know, for your spring. Now, I kind of went down a rabbit hole there. But anyhow, you want bare dirt is best. Um, soil to seed contact is best, obviously. And like Dave said, you don't want it resting or laying on something and not hitting the dirt. So prepping your ground is essential for frost seeding and the freeze thaw obviously is essential. Mm -hmm. Um, so I forget where I was going with that, but that was pretty good explanation anyhow. Yeah. I'll just add to that on what you're saying is that, uh, you know, a good thing to do would be to frost seed into like the previous year's annual food plot. Uh, that's like, that's yeah. where I was going with that. Yeah. My, What's your... my, when you, when you have like a brassica plot or something mm -hmm. or some blend or mixture that of is an annual. annual. Yeah. It will be depleted and will totally rot down to basically nothing over the mm -hmm. winter time. And when the, when the snow is gone and you're just left with the bare dirt and your your frost and you're in pa here it seems like you're frost seeding in the end of march time and that's when it seems like you have those days that fall below freezing and then heats up above freezing during the day and, mm -hmm. you, and you want a good week or two span there like sometimes I will actually watch the weather and time it, you know, I'll, I'll be like, man, I got to frost seed this week because like, it's not going to get below freezing anymore mm -hmm. at night, you know? So I'll hurry up and frost seed then if I, if I'm really pushing the envelope, but it seems like the end of March is a good time, but two, you don't want to put the stuff out there too quickly. Like you said, if you, if you do it too early, uh, like you said, bird predation and, uh, and, and it could rot or erode off, wash away, mm -hmm. you know, so you don't want to get it out there too soon. Yeah. So, I mean, timing is essential here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you'd kind of, you mentioned it, but, uh, we'll, we'll finish it up it, with, uh, with the snow seeding. Um, you don't want to frost seed on, on top of snow when you have a layer of snow. I think it's a bad idea because it, it's a it's been a trend like the past two years on on social media is this snow seeding stuff. I think it's a bad idea. And um, the reason for it is, you know, you have a layer of snow. You're putting it on top of that. That snow freezes at nighttime. The next day it thaws. You get runoff. You, the seeds um, show in the snow. So birds, it's easier for birds to peck away. Now I will say that if you have a time frame where you get a snow and then say a week later, two weeks later, you're starting to see bare ground because that snow is melting. I think that would be a good time when you're, when you have little patches of snow, just go ahead and get it out because that snow is melting and the ground is, is thawed. You know, the sun's out. It's real sloppy, you know, mush type soil. Slushy, muddy. Um, that would be a good time to get the seed on there to help it get into the soil. But so keep that in mind, annuals, you know, you can frost seed in the last year's brassica plot, but it's not something that you can just go into a 100% unprepared field of grasses and just no. frost seed. Now, will you have some success with that? Well, yeah, you might have some, 
but you're not it's not going to be as successful as it would be if that ground yeah. it's all no matter what it is in life in life food whatever it is it's about the preparation yeah, you have and, to have prepared soil and if you're going to convert something like i did on my destination plots i converted horse pasture to food plots mm -hmm. you have to first of all mow it as short as you can and then let it go for a couple week and a half or two weeks let it get back to the growth stage mm -hmm. and if you would like to use herbicide that would be perfect time to do it because anything that's coming back flushing back green is, that's the time to hit it with herbicide and you can kill that down but herbicide is only effective if it's above 50 degrees mm -hmm. at the lowest point during the night so mm -hmm. you're talking doing this late spring yeah. almost the summertime right. if you're doing that so that's why we say it's better to establish you know get it prepped in the fall mm -hmm. you know the year before you want to plant something so that's something you're going to have to think ahead for you know excuse me chris's coughing air Whew. better so yeah so you, you you need to think ahead for that um don't think you're gonna go out and you know, kill it with guy and you're going to spread some clover seed. That's, mm -hmm. that's probably not going to happen right away. You're, you're mm -hmm. going to have to wait into late spring to do that. Mm -hmm. So, but anyhow, yeah, if, if you're going to establish that, uh, frost seeding wise end of March time, perfect, but you'd better be prepared already with the soil. Now, like I said, if you're going into the summertime, you can go ahead if you want to do something in the snow, get your lime on now. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we did this a lot on video. We liked when we had a skiff of snow and we would go out with the lime. That way you can see where you've got spread and where you've done it too thinly. You can go back over it. You can do crisscross patterns, whatever, get this, get the lime on evenly. You mm -hmm. know, that's a perfect time to get your lime out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's talk about a little bit on areas to plant clover, <clears throat> excuse me, um, woods, full sun, partial sun. Let's touch a little bit on soil samples and then touch a little bit on the nitrogen question mm, yeah. um, because that pops up a lot too. So sure. um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch base on the nitrogen. Um, so as we all know, nitrogen fix, you know, fixates, uh, or clover fixates nitrogen. Well, that is true, um, but it doesn't do it from a bare seed. So you need a soil sample um, before, you know, for optimal results to sure. plant your clover. And sometimes it, it may say that you need some nitrogen while well, people freak out because if you put nitrogen on, you know, the ground, it, you know, promotes, promotes weed growth. Well, and they say, oh, well, nitrogen prom, uh, create or uh, clover creates nitrogen. Well, it does, but throwing the seed on the ground, no nitrogen is being produced. So all plants, living things, are, you know, needs a little bit of nitrogen just right. to help get it going. So that clover does not produce nitrogen until it produces nodules. Right. And those nodules um, grow into the, on the roots in the soil. And once that happens, then that clover produces uh, nitrogen. And then what really stimulates that 
is deer browse. So when deer are browsing on that or you mow it as a maintenance, it really stimulates those nodules to produce that nitrogen. And there's a time frame that it depends on your soil quality, the microbes and things in the soils that helps build those nodules. It it takes a while. Takes time. So it's not, oh, I'm I'm producing night. No, you're not from a bare seed. There's a there's there's no seed in the world that contains nitrogen already. Right. It has to build into a plant and and create these nodules. The same with like soybeans. You know, every if I plant soybeans, I add a little bit of nitrogen at planting just to help get them going. And then over time they build the nodules and it creates nitrogen. Yep. So keep that in mind, guys. You know, bare seed does not produce nitrogen. That plant has to physically grow, be maintained microbes in the soil everything has to work together and then you'll get your nitrogen well and there's nothing that i plant without a starter fertilizer anyhow that has right. nitrogen in it mm-hmm. so that's just good practice mm-hmm. to get something something a boost to get out of the dirt yeah yeah it doesn't hurt so right. um you know there there's certain mixes uh different types of clover and stuff uh some can be planted in in a shaded area full sun um you know, and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people will ask, can I plant clover in the woods? Well, yeah. you can, um, but you still got to have a decent amount of, uh, of sunlight. Correct. Filtered sun is okay. Um, and we kind of touched that on the past couple podcasts with getting more sun into your plots, cutting on the south side, getting that sun in there. You did mm-hmm. some in, on your plots as well this year already. Mm-hmm. So um, you've got to guys you got to look at the sunlight issue on these food plots um yeah and correct correct it there is there is some clovers that will be better suited for wetter conditions Mm -hmm. um we get that a lot too people want to know what they can plant in a low-lying area that may hold water or might flood at some point or whatever you know and and some of them uh clovers i don't have a whole lot of experience with but one of the ones that will take in a wetter condition like in the woods in filtered light i've i've planted some dutch white clover and i've planted some all psych i think that's how you say it all psych all slike uh those those were decent in an area with filtered light mm-hmm. they grew pretty good for me because yeah. my my woods seems to have a certain dampness to it down there so that's what i started planting early on years ago until i started every year i cut more and more trees and let more and more light in you know because i have a hard time just going down there and whacking the crap out of my woods Mm-hmm. So every year I, I get this bug up my butt and I go down there and I cut another two or three trees down, you know, every year I sit down there and I think, man, if I just got rid of that one and that one, that would just do me some good, you know? So I'm getting older and it's like, you know, I I enjoy the woods and the plots more than I do the trees, you know? Early on, when well, early on when I was younger, I was like, "Man, I don't want to cut all my woods down," you know. But now I'm to the point like I, 
who knows, I, I might only have 10 more years of hunting in me or something, you know? And so that's only 10 more seasons to shoot a deer. Mm-hmm. When you think about it that way, that's only 10 more chances at a buck, you know? So it's like, I got to fix the problem now and enjoy it while I can. Podcast 55, like your age. Oh no, not yet. Over um, 50. Over right. 50 for sure. So Clover, a lot of guys ask, will it grow in low pH? And my answer to that is, yeah, it will, as long as you're getting some amendments on there, such as lime. So I have a video on my channel from the old farm on the old logging road where I had planted uh, clover, and I think it was a 4.7 pH, and it grew like crazy because we added lime at planting and it grew. So the guys that are having these fails with this low pH is because, you know, guys will message me and say, yeah, I got this quarter acre food plot. I added 50 pounds of lime. And I, <laughs> that, that's not going to do anything. Um, it's not even going to help you out with like a maintenance. Like you got to like guys like lime, when you do a soil sample, it's going to tell you that you need thousands of pounds. Oh yeah. Depending on what your current pH pH is. Yeah. And people will, you know, I'll get questions like, "Really? A four thousand pounds?" It's like, yeah, like it takes a lot of lime, and you may not add it all at once. You know, you can do split applications with it, but yes, clover will. If you have a low pH area, don't just say, "Okay, I got low pH. I'm going to plant clover." Do something about it. Like Chris said, you know, add your lime now uh, with the snow or whatever and the, or the grounds, you know, freezing and thawing because it'll help work the lime in that first, you know, little bit of soil uh, with that anyway. But, yeah, it will grow. But fix the problem, you know, add, get a soil sample and, and get some lime on there. Well, as an example, yesterday, the guy I was working with, he sent me his sample on over messenger and i was looking at it and he was freaking out because it said he needed 1375 pounds of lime per acre and uh i said but david i said how big's your plot gonna be he said about a quarter acre i said okay well you don't need 1375 pounds on that plot you need to divide that by four and mm. come up with 900 and I can't remember off the top of my head what it was 900 pounds approximately something like that so or not not 900 what was it anyhow it was 19 bags anyhow whatever that is and uh so I told him I said yeah you're, you're gonna need about 19 bags of lime then you know um uh, which Nine, isn't 900 was the price. I'm sorry. Okay. It was 19 bags. And I just said, I just threw out a number. I said, uh, at five bucks a bag, that's about 900 bucks. I said, so, you know, I said, so you, you're going to have a pretty decent plot. That, no, that's not even right. What am I saying? You're lost. That's 90 all, bucks. Yeah. I'm all confused. So I'm anyhow, like I'm, I'm sitting here counting. Yeah, no, I'm like, 90 no, bucks. No, I'm all confused. I need to look it up. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, it's I, he was just all baffled and and uh, 
he, he was he was really concerned like this is going to be way too much for me and i'm like no mm -hmm. no no it's it's not yes yeah. it's really not i let me pull it up real quick well 19 bags in reality is like is not that much no, I mean, no. how many bags at the farm did we freaking spread i mean we we spread pallets and pallets yeah, alone pallets. okay here we go so so his his example was yeah i told him his ph he didn't even tell me what his ph was mm -hmm. oh there it is okay yes he did he told me his ph was around a five it's okay. about a quarter acre plot okay and uh i'm sorry so i was way off see it's better that i just pulled this up and tell you now so it was around a five, it's a quarter acre plot he's planting. He needed 3,750 pounds per acre. Okay. okay right. So I said, divide that by four. Yep. And it was 937 and a half pounds of lime. Mm -hmm. yep. So I told him, I said, they're sold in 50 pound bags. And when you, when you divided 937.5 <clears throat> by 50 pounds, that's approximately 19 bags, mm -hmm. you know? So. Yeah, and that's pretty standard when you get a soil sample. I mean, depending, you know, what your pH is and and all that. But I mean, for a quarter, and when you when you get your sample, like guys, that's per acre. Yes, it's not going to give you like a recommendation of a quarter acre. It's going to give you per acre, and you have to do the math on your size plot and do the math on it. Yep. So, you know, 19 bags times five is less than a hundred bucks, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you're only looking at a hundred bucks a lime. And he's like, oh, okay, I can do that. And I'm like, sure yeah. you can. It's only a quarter mm -hmm. acre. Right. You know, when you break it down like that for somebody, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then it, you know, it, it, it was a, uh, it was a Whitetail Institute uh, sample. So it told him how much nitrogen and P and K that he needed and magnesium. And I said, well, if you go in here to J and J's and get their lime, I said they have high mag mag magnesium lime mm -hmm. already. It's it's lime mixed with mag. So, you know, he needed like 17 pounds or something. I said, Well, you're gonna easily get that with the 19 you know, bags that you're gonna be putting on. You know, so, uh side note, real quick, if anybody has a soil sample that's with extremely high magnesium, plant buckwheat. Chris is dying there. Do I? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, Chris was coughing. Um, uh, I said me. that uh, a side note is that anybody has a soil sample with really, really, really high magnesium levels, yeah. plant buckwheat. Buckwheat. Yeah, buckwheat will absorb some of that uh, magnesium out of that soil and help lower it a little bit. I mean, because there's... you do, you do get magnesium added into your soil when you plant, uh, when, or when you add lime. So, right. But I haven't really seen any real negative affects too much of of having high magnesium i mean i'm sure yeah. if it's like massively high you might have some issues but yeah. i think there's other i think there's other things you can do too i think what is yeah. it add, add gypsum or something like that or, yeah, yeah 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 i just know that buckwheat will do that help you out on it yeah i mean i'm glad i looked that up because i really confused everybody there probably but yep. uh yeah that's all right they'll they'll cut you a break this time you're sick yeah, I'm not thinking clearly, obviously, except for my mm. good descriptions. 
Yeah, you're good. <laughs> you should have saw the people that are listening. You should have saw Chris's hands describing the soil when I was the heaving effect of the soil. Yeah. Um, uh, All right. So I think that that covers that part. So let's touch base on maintenance and herbicides. Mm-hmm. Um. Now I like I like using herbicide on clover. Yeah, we're not. You know, anybody I'm not big on herbicides we're, otherwise yeah we're not huge on herbicide I mean, we'll use them when we have to but it's not like it's not like hey guys i can't wait i'm gonna go home and and spray herbicide so yeah um or make videos and talk about 50 different types of herbicides that we use every day burning everything to the ground right it's needed sometimes yeah of course but um not like you think but anyway um clover now clover depending Obviously, the size of the plot, how many deer you have, the browse pressure that plot is getting, you may need to do maintenance on it. Meaning that if you're not having a bunch of deer hit it and the plot is really big, that clover is going to grow and it's going to develop seed heads. When that time frame gets there and that develops a seed head, you know, the whites on the clover, that seeds. And when you mow that, nip the tops off, it just creates fresh growth now if you have a lot of deer browsing it it's the same thing they're they're constantly browsing and stimulating the clover it's stimulating the nodules it's stimulating for it to grow you may not have to mow it as much um or if it's just growing like weeds sometimes you know you get good soil and a good variety it just grows and grows um just take a mower i mean i have a video on my channel where i made i jerry rigged a a, a push mower yeah, with bigger wheels on it, and I got it up off the ground, and I push mowed an acre of clover. Now I have a piece of junk pool behind a swisher mower that I absolutely hate and want to burn to the ground. Um, but I use that to mow my clover. Um, so keep that in mind. There is a little bit of maintenance with it if you want to produce that fresh growth. Um, depending when you plant it or whatever, you may be mowing in June. It could be August, July with the rains. But there's a time period where you want to stop mowing, and that's, I would say, 35, yeah. 40 days, 45 days or something before, you know, the season starts. Kind of just let it just let it do its thing. But that's one aspect of, main, uh, of maintenance for it. And when do you want to mow or reasons? One, like I said, to stimulate growth, but also weed control. If the weeds aren't terrible, you can mow <coughs> – excuse me, you can mow – and it'll usually set the weeds back and allow the clover to uh, take off. But there's a special herbicide that we like to use. Chris will talk about it. Um, when the weeds are kind of out of control and you may you may need to do this if you have a fresh planting in the spring, you're going to get weeds. And there's a simple way to take care of it. And Chris will talk about that. Well, we like to use a, a product called Imox. Ooh, you said it. Imox. Yes. Uh actually takes care of grasses and broadleaf it does and it's it's expensive but it goes a long way well, let's know, talk it, about it what is a hundred bucks it's, it's yeah it comes out yeah comes out around a hundred bucks and that's what a quart right but yeah but you said the magic word is it takes care of broadleafs and the grasses it takes care of both yeah so ones. yeah you've got these other name brands uh, <laughs> should I say it or not? 
uh, what's that? Uh, the company name, but there's other name oh, brands out yeah. there and they sell one for this right. and one yep. for that. And mm -hmm. it's only like an acre dose. Yeah. It's really expensive. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's like $60 or something. And then you got to add the crop oil to it too. That's another cost. And, you know, it's very expensive. I tried that stuff years ago and it, it was weak. Like I don't have, I did not have success with that stuff. I used one portion of it. I think it was the one that killed grass mm -hmm. and it, it worked pretty good for me it really did i can't complain but i had a really small plot and since mm. i had a whole box for an acre i dosed it up man i just give it the whole box because what was mm. i gonna do with it save right. it you know yeah. what do you do old stuff sitting around so yeah i just put the whole dose right on like a quarter acre plot you know and that burned her up pretty good but yeah but it's expensive now you get this quart and you know, you put, I like to, I like to go a little hot. I, I put eight or nine ounces in my 15 gallons of water and that should treat a whole acre depending on the speed you're going back and forth. And, uh, that seems to give me a pretty good burn and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good product. And, and if you, if you do use it, that way you should get about between four and five acres worth of mm -hmm. a product that way yeah so you can trade a lot of clover so you might you know if you have a if you have a hard time during the summer and you're you're so weedy and you think you need to spray you could spray it early in the summer and then you know you might be able to get a second spraying you know late august or something you know, mm -hmm. early September, you might have to hit it again. Who knows? But you're going to have enough product to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, depending yeah, on I'll, how big your plots are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll add to it where the IMOX will not harm your chicory. So you can, if you have a mix of clover and chicory, um, you can spray it. It won't harm that. Um, but also when you do spray, keep in mind that it, it, it's kind of slow reacting a little bit. Um, so you're, it's probably going to take like two weeks. It takes a while. Yeah, before you start seeing the stuff die that's in there. Um, but just wait it out, you know. Just yeah. wait it out 14, 15, 16, 17 days. When the stuff starts turning brown, then you can mow and, you, and you'll be set back. And then, you, you know, from there on out, you should just be able to mow. Um, but yeah, IMOX. We have no stake in IMOX. I'm just – it's no. a chemical that we use. It's a good product. Um, we buy it. Like I said, it's like a hundred bucks, but it works really well. It's, you don't have to buy all these separate different chemicals for uh, clover. No. Now I will say clover is really, really resilient. And I have in the past sprayed clover with glyphosate. Yeah. Um, you can, you, you can, can do a light weak, weak yep. dose. It. Yeah. And it will not harm it. I mean, no. I I've actually sprayed a heavy dose of gly on a, pure clover plot mm. and it it's hard to kill yeah it's hard to kill yeah. um and even yeah. when you do kill it or you till it back into the soil it just grows right back yeah so it, it's it's really resilient 
Yeah, I mean, normally if you're trying to burn something down, you might put like two quarts of gly in a 15-gallon sprayer or something like that, you know. You could low dose it like one quart in 15 gallons, really water it down. You mm -hmm. can go out there and spray the snot out of it, and uh, it'll probably kill all your grasses and stuff. And mm -hmm. it might it might even wilt your clover a little bit. but it'll It might wilt it. Yeah, it, it bounces back. About eight nine days it'll it'll be right back where it was and let, me go, get... let me let me drop back for one second when we was talking about clipping clover too when you clip the clover and if it's all if it's all headed out seeded out you know essentially what you're doing too is you're spreading seeds so you're going to mm -hmm. thicken up you're going to thicken up your stand that way too yeah so i just wanted to add that because i, I mm -hmm. think i think that's important to people because they 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 say, oh, you know, they might be thinking, oh, that looks kind of thin there. I might have to go over and top seed that or something, you know, you know, give it a little time. Oh, it's nature's way of reseeding. Yeah. You know, when a plant grows seeds, that's its way of reproducing. Um, and that's what happens with I clover. just think people get to instant gratification type, you know, some of this stuff just takes time. Wait it up. And, and what are you worried about what it looks like? Are the deer eating it? Yes, they are. So mm -hmm. you've already accomplished something. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it don't have to look like a postcard on the front of a magazine or something. You mm -hmm. know, we're we're not row cropping here. We're not bailing clover. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. I mean, a couple weeds here and there aren't going to hurt you guys. I mean, my gosh, the, I think I think the deer eat as many weeds as they do is in my clover plot. You know. Mm -hmm. Yep. I will touch on that too. And then we'll finish up is like you said, weeds. I mean, yeah. Uh, deer eat the weeds and stuff, but you, it's something you have to assess. Um, if your clover plot is taken over by weeds, well, that that's not yeah. good because yeah. you want to get your money's worth of the clover. Yeah. But like he's saying, Chris saying like a little, couple weeds here and there aren't the end of the world. Um, oh. but just assess it. If you're walking through your food plot and you got grasses and you know broadleaf weeds and stuff coming out and it's choking like you got to do something about it because yeah, you're not going to you're not going to get you know, your money's worth of the clover and then when you go into the fall and winter months then weeds are going to die and then you're left with bare space because the weeds are dead and you don't have enough clover so it's something just to assess um i think people overuse chemicals a lot when you can just kind of simply mow clover um but it, again just just assess the situation and, and if you want to make that jump, you know, to a chemical uh, herbicide treatment, consider IMOX. Um, I recommend it. And uh, when I go to clients and stuff that, you know, where I recommend planting clover, I always give that, uh, you know, as an option is to uh, either mow or use IMOX. A lot of people ask me what I use, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and you touched on it. You you said heavy dose, but I think that like the general recommendation is about seven to nine ounces uh, per acre. Yeah. So whatever whatever amount of water you, that you use, um, just add seven to nine ounces. And like Chris said, a little bit heavier side. I tend to do that too. Like eight to nine ounces um, seems to do well. Seven will work, but that general is seven to seven to nine. Have you ever tried using crop oil in it? Not with IMOX, no. See, I was reading some forums last week, and some people said they were using it. Now, I don't. It, obviously, it's not going to hurt anything to use mm -hmm. it. But some I haven't guys, experimented with it. Yeah, I didn't either. Some guys think that they they thought that they had a better burn that way. Uh, it, it's probably true. I um, I mean, it's something I'd have to 
experiment with and test. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had good success with just the iMox, so. Yeah, I, I just use it straight. Yeah. Yep. I hate all that stuff. But. Um, be careful with it, too. Yeah, know? be careful. You don't want to burn your burn your crap to the ground. Yep, and you don't want it on you, and you don't want the wind blowing and burning down the neighbor's yard with it. Yeah, be careful with it, guys. I mean, it's... Wind it's, drift is legit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's spooky stuff. Like, just you know, you don't want to be, you know, dumping the stuff and getting it all over your hand. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a chemical. It kills things for a reason. So just be I, careful with it. And I hate what I'm spraying and the wind changes and I get a wet neck. Ruins my or, day. Or, or the side of my face or something. I turn around and look. And psh, yeah. I can't wait to get done and get home and get a shower. Yeah, it's it's everywhere, but it spooks me. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> better wrap um, this one up. <laughs> podcast fifty five guy. Yeah, before we go down a, a rabbit hole here. Another but anyway, <laughs> um, thanks for listening, guys, and watching, and uh, uh, really appreciate your view and Chris's views and on the yeah. channel and all that I, good stuff. I hit my milestone last week too. Yep, Chris hit his milestone. One one thousand subs. He gave away a knife. Got away. And um, yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, again, if you guys are going to that Great American Outdoor Show, hit us up. Send Chris a message. Send me a message. Email, and yep. um, we'll meet we'll up get with back you. To you. We'll get back to you, and we'll we'll see you there. Yep. Okay, guys, that's fifty-five. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Ho hopefully, I sign better by then. Yeah. Good All one, right. guys. Good podcast. Later.